The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is the Gospel of the Lord. When I was a boy, I had a fascination with the ship, the Titanic. I don't really know when it started, but from as early as I can remember, I would draw pictures of it. I draw pictures of it sailing, and yes, it was weird, but I would draw pictures of it sinking. Little boys have strange interests sometimes, but I had a book also that had pictures of it. The thing I think that kind of connected me with the ship in my own mind was that it was discovered the year that I was born. In 1985, Robert Ballard led the expedition, expedition that finally found out where its final resting place was, and people had pictures of it for the first time, knowing what happened to it since that fateful night in April of 1912. Well, all of these things kind of came rushing back a few weeks ago. As you know, it was the 110th anniversary of its sinking, and Allison and I decided to finally watch a movie I'd never seen before, A Night to Remember. Now, most people think of Titanic movies, and immediately your mind goes to James Cameron's movie Titanic with Leonardo DiCaprio and the other gal whose name I don't remember which really is just a love story built into the story of the Titanic. It's not really about the Titanic, it's about the two, the couple. And it's an okay movie, but I thought it was the quintessential Titanic movie until I saw A Night to Remember from 1958. And if you're looking for Titanic movies, well, here's a recommendation. Watch the older one. It's a lot better. But at any rate, I like that movie so much um, because it was historically accurate. Uh, you read about the Titanic and what happened and all the people and what they did, and there's a lot of very interesting stories, and uh, some of them are kind of odd. One fellow survived because he got so drunk that when he was in the water, it had no effects on his body, and when they pulled him out, he was okay. Um, other people, of course, you hear stories of heroism where someone takes a child and pulls him into the boat and things like that. But a story that's kind of sad but noteworthy is that of the 25 engineers on Titanic, none of them survived. Of the 25 engineers, which included, importantly, eight electricians, not one of them made it onto a boat. And the story of that is this. They knew the ship was going down, and finally, after a certain point, uh, they knew that they themselves had little chance of survival. So what did they do? But they stayed at their post, making sure the Titanic had electricity for as long as it possibly could, so that they could have lights to save as many people as they could. Them and their positions, down in the bowels of the ship towards the rear, stayed and did their duty until they could no longer keep the electric generators running only about 18 minutes before it disappeared into the Atlantic Ocean. It's a story that kind of drives home the point, and I'd say excites an inspiration for this word duty. When you have a job to do, a duty to do, especially one that other people depend on you doing, it's sort of gives you the opportunity to think about how important some things are in life. It's a beautiful example of sacrifice, a beautiful example of knowing that your own 
interest, your own well-being, can sometimes, in the face of duty, take a back seat to the well-being and even sometimes the lives of other people. The Bible, of course, is full of such stories about duty, and one of the best ones we had in our gospel lesson today from John chapter 10, when Jesus gives us the beautiful picture of the good shepherd. Now, when people think about jobs, when you think about jobs that people have to do, tasks that you have to do, most of us understand that there are limits to it. Limits to how far a person should be expected to go, how far they can reasonably be expected to go, much effort to put in, and how much hardship to put up with, right? Okay, so the example I was thinking of, most jobs, like clerical jobs in our service economy that we have now, it would be understandable if someone were to cut and run, if someone came in with a knife or a gun demanding money or something. Like, okay, I think even that's the practice for most convenience stores and banks and whatever. If someone comes, give them what they want, the cops will catch them later, it's not worth your life, don't go and put yourself on the line like that. But we also know that though some jobs do require, by their very nature, someone to put themselves out there a little more. Of course, firemen, police officers comes to mind immediately. And the big one I think about is secret service agents, where they train knowing, hopefully it doesn't happen, but maybe one day it will, you have to jump in front of that assailant's bullet and put your life in jeopardy to save the person you're tasked with keeping safe. But for the most part, we know they have boundaries, right? I bet you there were a lot of maids and uh, cooks and waiters on the Titanic, which they couldn't really do too much. And so they went up to the top much earlier than the boiler strokers and the electrical engineers. I bet you the purser, after he gave as many people as the stuff out of the safe as they wanted, said, there's nothing more I can do here. I'm going up top, top. And everybody could completely understand that. Think about the sensibleness of giving up after a certain point and abandoning your post. Jesus talks about that in the gospel lesson, doesn't he? He talks about the hired men or the hirelings to use the old language. What do they do when they see the wolf coming towards them and their flock? They cut and run. They get out of dodge. And he even says why, because people understand why. It's not their flock. It's not their money invested in those sheep there they can get another job. They can't get another life. And so it's understandable, Jesus is essentially saying, that they are the ones that leave. And who really would blame them? But when we understand this, it, it makes sense to cut and run when it's not yours. It's all the more powerful when we consider the rest of it, what Jesus is and what he does for the flock. It's sensible for the hirelings to run, but I want you to think about this for a second. Isn't it also sensible for the shepherd to run, too? Right? He doesn't have the sheep because he just likes having pets. We have pets in our time and place. Back then, it was an economic thing. I, I guess if you have sheep now, it's still economic for you. But still, a wolf comes, wants to eat all your sheep. You can let him have them. You can buy more sheep. You can go work for other people. You'll probably even, if something so bad as happens that a wolf comes and destroys your entire flock, you're going to have people that are going to come out of the woodwork and say, that was a rough break. We're going to make sure you're whole and you're going to be fine after this. You see my point? It doesn't even make sense for the shepherd who owns the sheep to stay and put his life in jeopardy for those sheep. Why waste it? 
Why throw it away? But that's not, of course, what Jesus Christ does. He sees the wolf coming. Not only does he not cut and run, but he goes and he attacks the wolf. He fights with the wolf and gives up his life in the process. He lays it down. It is, of course, a great show of love, is it not? Of all the Sundays in the church here, I think this is one of the best ones which gives us a picture, what does true love look like? What does it look like to actually care for someone else besides yourself? But even then, it's not the whole of it. I want you to think about this point when you think about the Good Shepherd today and beyond. I want it to be driven home in your mind how deep the Savior's love for us was. Okay? We all know that there's different intelligence with animals. I guess I've heard that pigs are the most intelligent of farm animals that you find. I found out recently cows are not too smart. Uh, and we all know that sheep are definitely not smart. They are like sheep, just following wherever, and they get lost, and you hear all these stories of actual shepherds, of the trouble that sheep get into, and the trouble that they have to go through to go find them and bring them back, and they'd probably run off a cliff if you let them do it. The point is, flocks of sheep are kind of dumb, and they are not appreciative of what the shepherd does for them. Or if you want to put it into language theological, they are unworthy of the type of devotion from a shepherd that would fight a wolf off for them, of a shepherd who would lay down his life for them. Paul understands this truth in the book of Romans when he writes to them, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in this, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that a powerful statement of who Jesus is and what he has done? Isn't that the very essence of how deep his love for us is? When we were a poor flock, a stupid flock, a rebellious flock that just continuously got ourselves into trouble again and time again, what did he do? Cut and run? No. Right off the loss? No. He died for us. Sheep. Sheep that did not deserve it. Sheep that had no reason to have anybody take such care for them. It's sensible to run away. Making a fight, maybe running away after you've figured out you're beaten, makes a little less sense. But dying for awful sheep, that makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense to do that, but that is what Jesus Christ has done. That is what the cross is all about. The good shepherd laying down his life for an ungrateful and an unworthy flock. And it is why he is our good shepherd. Jesus is not the shepherd. I've never seen a shepherd Lutheran church. But I've seen plenty of good shepherd Lutheran churches. And rightly so. Because that is who our Lord is. That's the depths of his love. That's how much he cares for us. A foolish flock undeserving of his grace and mercy, has it in full abundance. And that is what today, and that is what Easter is about celebrating, that our Lord Jesus Christ went into the wolf's jaws and gave up his life so that we might live. And that is the, inform in the infor informative emotion, I would say, for what our heart has in it for our Savior. I did not deserve this. I could not do it myself, but Lord, in your mercy, you did it for me. So today and always, let us praise this good shepherd of ours, 
who has had such deep, abundant, and abiding love for us, his lost sheep. Amen.